I used to hear Reverend Clay Evan saying many years ago he was the pastor of the Good Ship Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois. And he used to come to Saginaw and used to carry on our revival. And I used to hear him sing that old hymn. And it's kind of ringing in my head now it's old school, but if you don't mind, I would just like to share a few verses with, of that old hymn. As Reverend Clavin used to sing it years ago. Father, I stretch my hands to, to Thee. No. from Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. Listen to what the word of God is saying to us today. 
help if I get to the right chapter. In that 16th chapter, verses 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that I are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thy are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thy Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thy are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's a blessing in the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Upon this rock I build my church. And I would like to use for a subject today God's house a God's church. Upon this rock, I build my church. As I look around this beautiful edifice, I notice one thing, that this is not my house. And if I keep looking, I notice that it's not your house. Is not the state house. It's not even the White House. But it is God's house. But Jesus said, Upon this rock I build my church. Therefore, since it is God's church, He sets the standards, the rules, and the regulations. You see, I, I, I was talking to a pastor some months ago, and he said some members left his church because they didn't get things their way. And I'm saying to them, well, if it's God's church, then maybe it shouldn't go your way but it should go the way of the Lord because it his church upon this rock I build my church. Church belongs to God and is something special about God's house. As I ride around I see little small churches who've been in existence for many years. And I ask myself how do they keep the doors open? When there are many companies, multi-million dollar companies that are no longer in existence, those have been closed, but yet this little old shabby building 
still keep the doors open. Then I remember the word of God upon this rock. I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Something special about God's house. But there, there is a purpose and a mission for God's house. But what come to mind when you hear the word church? Some think of a building, a physical structure. It might be a small building in the countryside, a building in the metropolitan area of the city. But still others, when the word church is mentioned, think of a service, a ceremony, or ritual would take place on Sunday morning. But in order to understand the meaning of God's house, we must know something about the builder and what was going on in his life at this season of his ministry. Script articulates it this way, that, that, that he came into Caesarea Philippi, which is about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was only six months away from that crucial death out on the cross. And he needed time alone with his disciples. You see, all of us need time alone with Jesus at some points in our life. We need that quiet time alone with Jesus. You see, we live in a world now where everybody wants their man cave. But, but you see, we, we should be concerned about our Jesus cave. Because we need that quiet time with Jesus because if we have a Jesus case, it unites our soul, our heart, and our spirit, and it brings us into unity with our family. But a man cage, if you don't watch it, it could be another device to separate the family. Have to be, keep our eyes open because the devil is always coming up with different things trying to separate us from our family and separate us from God. But all of us need that quiet time with Jesus Christ. So Jesus needed time alone with his disciples. He has so much to say to them, so much to teach them, although there were things they would not understand. And oftentimes things happen in our life that we don't understand. You know, 2008, I was walking through the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel, and, and I went over to this little place, and I noticed where they had, 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 had written the words of Jesus that said, Father, I don't always understand you, but I trust you. And therefore, in our own life, sometimes we don't understand where God is going with our life, but we have to trust that God is going somewhere. I don't understand you, but I trust you. 
so 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 is his disciple that that Jesus said I'll say some things to you you won't understand and matter of fact you won't understand as long as I'm here but he said when the Holy Spirit has come he will lead you into all understanding all wisdom and all knowledge so he will say some things that they would not understand but you know his disciples didn't know who he was. They had been thrilled by his teaching, fascinated by his miracles, eyes by his divine personality. But still they didn't truly understand him or what he came to do. Certainly Jesus knew their heart. They had never expressed their thoughts about Jesus. They had never spoken or verbalized their faith. Paul says in Romans 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's important that we confess Jesus as our Lord. Jesus makes himself available for all of us, but it's our responsibility to accept him and to confess him. For he says in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. But it's your responsibility, it's your choice. I stand at the door and knock, and if you open, I will come in. But I'm not going to push my way in. But I stand and knock. And he don't say I, I knock one time and I leave. But I stand and knock. And if you're open, I will come in. So we have a responsibility in order to accept Jesus. And, and, and Paul says in Romans, we have to confess him with our mouth, the Lord Jesus. But then, and, 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 and we all have to confess Jesus for ourselves. No one can do it for us. We have to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we, we get to the point of borrowing something. We go next door, we borrow some sugar. Sometimes we want to borrow some clothes. When I was when I was student at Mohouse School of Religion on the camp of ITC, I had this roommate. And he wanted to borrow everything, paper. <laughs> wanted to borrow a pen and I and I one day I asked him, I said, Did you know you was coming to college? Or did you think you was going on a camping trip? Because he didn't have nothing. He wanted to borrow everything. But that's one thing you cannot borrow. You cannot borrow another person's relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to know him for, for yourself. So as Jesus was there with his disciples. Now in our spirit, let us join the disciples and Jesus. The sitting was a relaxed one. For as often as his custom was, he would get away 
from the crowd and take his disciples off so that he could talk with them. Now in this historical section of Palestine, there were on every side monuments of ancient kings. Then in the midst of all of this, Jesus asked the question. He had never asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And you know it's easy sometimes to talk what other people are saying. But it's difficult sometimes to say what you are feeling. But you know we need to know Jesus for ourselves. You see, knowledge of Jesus must never be a second-hand knowledge. It must never be a hearsay knowledge. You see, man might know every verdict ever passed on Jesus. He might know every Christology that the mind of the Logian have thought upon. He might be able to give a company summary of the teachings about Jesus and of every great thinker and still not be a Christian. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Christianity never consists in knowing about Jesus. At always it consists in knowing Jesus. And Jesus demands a personal verdict. He did not ask Peter only, but he asked the whole world. But first of all, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Now, we love to talk about what other people think. And I'm sure they will all want to speak up at the same time. Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Elijah. And others are saying that you are Jeremiah. Now, these was high honor that they was giving Jesus. John the Baptist was well thought about. For Jesus says in his own word, there's none like John. So this wasn't high honor. Elijah was a great prophet. Matter of fact, some writers call him the prince of the prophetic line. So, so to classify Jesus as Elijah was a great honor. And then some said Jeremiah. Jewish historian said that when before the Babylonian exile, said, said Jeremiah went into the temple and he took the, the, the ark and the altar and he hid it in Mount Nemo and, and, and went right before the Messiah would come. Jeremiah would bring back the ark and bring glory upon the people. This is what some of the Jewish historians have written. In other words, they was giving Jeremiah high honors. But all of these was not enough to state the true purpose and who Jesus really was. Napoleon put it this way when he verbalized his, his verdict about Jesus. 
It was a great command, and Napoleon said, I, I know, I, I, I know man because I have commanded many men in my lifetime. Said, I know men. Said, but Jesus is not an ordinary man. He is more than any man. So, 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 so they all gave Jesus high honors, but, but none was enough to state who Jesus really was. And, 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 and so, so, but Jesus, he knew their heart. He knew what man was thinking about him. But, but he was only perhaps setting the disciples up for the, for the question of mom, all questions. Well, who do you say that I am? This question is not, was not only for Peter. But it was for all of us. What do we or who do we say that Jesus is? Because this is not a think and matter. You should, you should not only think, you should know who he is. Some years ago, I was stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base. This young man went out and met this young lady. Three weeks later, they was married. And about a three couple of weeks later after that, once she got his her name on all his accounts, when he came to base to perform his military duty, she went to the bank. And and, and grew out everything that he had. So now she didn't get much, because he didn't have that much. But now she did get enough to get her a bus ticket to California. And, and so she went to California, and, and he came to my office, tears in his eyes. And as I talked to him, when the last word he said when he was getting ready to leave, he said, Chaplain, I thought that I knew her. I thought that I knew her. And I'm saying, boy, you just met the girl three weeks ago. But I thought that I knew her. There's some things in life that you shouldn't think about. You need to know. When you're sitting in that classroom with those test questions before you, you don't need to think, do you know the material? You need to know that you know the material. Because if you just think about it, you're probably going to think up on an elf. But you need to know that you know the material. So, so Jesus is not a thing and matter. You need to know that you know Jesus. So, so Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? When everybody else had got quiet, Peter spoke up and said, Thy are Christ, the Son of the living God. Thy are Christ. And all of us need to know that for ourselves. We need to know the God that we are serving. 
We need to know him and we need to have more than just mind knowledge, but we need to have him deep down in our heart. We need to know the God that we are serving. In order to know about God's house, we need to know about Jesus because he is the CEO and the founder of the house of God. But what is God's house? First of all, God's house is a house of prayer. Matthew 21 and 13 said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. It is a place where we go and get encouragement. If, 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 if there is any place that we should be able to get encouragement, it should be in God's house. Because all of us need encouragement sometime as we travel this Christian journey. We need to be encouraged. So God's house is, is a house of prayer, a place where we find encouragement. And number two is a place of refuge. Place of refuge, a place of safety. A place that when I'm hurting, a place that when I'm afraid, I, it is a place, it's a safe haven that I can go and I can find peace. I can find encouragement. It's a place of refuge. When my enemy comes upon me, it's a place where I can go and hide behind my hide behind Jesus Christ. It's a place of refuge. You see, in 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 and and watching television in, in the old days, the, the old western, well past the western days, if if you had committed a crime, if you could just make it to the church, you could declare sanctuary. And they couldn't get you while you was in the church. They had to wait until you, you came out, but they could not arrest you. So, so the church is a refuge, a place, a refuge where you can go and hide because sometimes the devil chases us. But if I just can make it to the house of God, I believe I'll find safety in God's house. It's a house, place, a refuge. And then it is a sign that points you to God. It is a light that shows you the way to Jesus Christ. There's a story about a minister who put a light in the steeple of the church. That light would shine all around the countryside. Members complaining, says, Pastor, it is burning up too much electricity. And, and, but, the, but the pastor said that, that I'm going to keep it shining. And they said, why should you keep the light shining every night? He said, because the house of God should always shine. Even even his son complained and said, says, says, Father, that, that, that light, I can't come home at night because everybody can see me because I have to pass by the church. And that light shine all around the church. And the father said to the son, says, Son, maybe if you come home on time, you don't have to worry about people seeing you coming by the church. But, but the father kept the light. 
shining in the church and it shined all the way around the countryside. And, and one night the sun and some of his friends went out snow skiing because it was cold in that part of the country where they were. And, and they got lost out in the wilderness. And they began to try to find their way home. But every way they went, they noticed it was not the right way. And, and they, they began to go around in circles. And they began to panic out there because they knew that the temp would drop at night and they perhaps would not be able to survive the night. So they searched and searched trying to find a way out. Seeing this, this, this young man, he, 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 a smile came on his face and, and he sat down and, and the other said, why are you sitting there when, the, when it's getting dark? So we need to try to find our way out of these mountains. But the young man kept on smiling and they said, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to wait till it get dark. I'm going to wait till it get dark. And they couldn't understand what he was talking about. I'm going to wait till it get dark. And when it finally got dark, they said, is it dark enough for you now? He said, no, it ain't quite dark enough for me yet. And, and then uh, as it got dark and, and he, he, he got up in a tree and, and he began to look around until he saw that light that was shining from his father church. And he came back down, and, and he told them, it's dark enough. Now, see, sometimes it have to get dark in your life so you can look up and see that light. And then when the young man came down from the tree, he said, home is that way. And they said, how do you know? Because he said, I see the light in God's house. And as they began to make their way toward that light, some they had to go through some rough terrain, sometimes even following that light. Sometimes you got to go through some rough things in your life, things that you don't understand. But if you just keep on following that light, soon you will find yourself at a place of refuge. You'll find yourself home. They kept following that light. And soon they found themselves out of the forest and out of the mountain. And he began to talk to his father. He said, Father, I thank you for keeping the light shining. Every once in a while, I have to look up to Jesus and I say, Father, I thank you for keeping the light shining. And every Christian, you got a light and you ought to let it shine. The songwriter said because there might be somebody lost in the valley trying to get home. They said maybe your friend and it may be mine. That's why you ought to let your light shine because somebody might be down in the valley trying to get home. Keep your eyes on the light. Jesus said, I am the light, the light of the world. Keep looking for that light. In the midst of your trouble, keep looking for the light. When, when you don't know which way to turn, just look for that light. And if you follow the light, you will be able to find your way home. 